you will, please turn with me now to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be continuing our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, let's uh, read these words together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I'm going to go ahead and get this over here. Well, as we have been journeying through the Sermon on the Mount, it's, uh, it's, I don't know about you, but as I've been looking through it and reading through it and studying each week, I've been a little convicted, and you may have too, but I've been convicted uh, because I've realized that Jesus is asking a lot of us as believers, and, and I'm realizing how so often I fall short of his standards and what he's asking. And as you think about the last few months going through this sermon series, we, we've talked about how we've looked at the Beatitudes, how, how Jesus said, blessed are you when you are poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you mourn over your sins, for you'll be comforted. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Blessed are you ultimately when you, when you give to the poor, or when you pray, or when you fast, when you love your enemies as yourself. Last week, we talked about how we are to, as believers, not judge people. There is a right way to confront people and a wrong way, and we looked at that last week. And as, as I list you just these few things, and there's so much more in the Sermon on the Mount, you, like me, have probably been convicted in realizing, all right, Lord, you're calling us to a higher standard, but it's hard to meet these standards. And so how do we meet these standards? Well, it's only by the grace of God that we meet the standards. And Jesus tells us how in our text that we're looking at today, and that is we are to pray with persistence and with confidence knowing that he hears our prayers and that he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us live more like him and to be more like him. As we look at these few verses this morning, we'll see how prayer is so important in our daily lives. And the way we pray is with persistence, like a beggar reaching out, longing to be filled. And we pray with confidence, like a child reaching out to their mom and dad asking for help. That's how we are to pray, and that's how we're, we are to become more like Christ, is through that prayer. Well, as I thought about prayer and praying with persistence, I thought about how often uh, you and I and many, many believers will see prayer as that of a, of a spare tire. You know what I mean by that? We have, hopefully, a spare tire in our cars, maybe in our trunks or below our car, and we use it in case of an emergency, The only time you really think about your spare tire is when one of your tires starts to flatten or when (laughs) you are completely having having a flat tire and you need a spare to change it. But that's about the only time you think about it is when you're in an emergency. I also thought about it how we we take we consider prayer like that of a triple A card. And I've had a triple A card for many, many years. I could count the number of times on one hand that I've actually used it. And the times I've used it, or either when I've planned a vacation, uh, or when I'm on the side of the interstate and I need help. But again, very rarely have I used that card. 
some of us treat prayer like that, where we will pray when there's an emergency, but we very rarely use it. Jesus is saying, in order for us to be more like him, we are to pray with persistence. And that's what he's getting at in verses seven through eight. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. These words that Jesus gave, they're three verbs. And in the Greek, it's imperative verbs, which is really used as force. Ask, seek, and knock. And I believe he used these three words as if, as if it was a rising scale of intensity. There's more force to it, more force behind it. So he first used the word ask. Ask involves humility and it involves a need. To ask, it means to beg, to call for, to crave, to desire. Asking is acknowledging that you are inferior to a superior God. This is where I get the analogy of a beggar reaching out to someone for assistance or for help, pleading and begging that they would receive assistance. That's how we are to approach God, and that is to ask like a beggar would in need of help. The word seeking builds on the first word ask. Seeking involves asking, but it adds action to it. The idea is not merely to express one's need, but to get up and to look around for it. When I think about seeking, I think about Luke 15 and the parable of, of the woman who had lost a coin, and she searches the entire house to find that coin. I also think about how the sheep who wanders away and the shepherd traces high and low across the valleys to find that lost sheep. That's what Jesus is getting at when he uses the word when we are to seek. To seek is to seek in order to find, to seek after, to seek for. So as we pray to be more like Jesus, we are praying with persistence, asking the Father to fill us with his spirit and really seeking for that, longing for that so that we could be more like him. And then the third word, it really builds upon the other two, and that is knocking. We all know what knocking is, but knocking is persevering. It's continuing to ask. It's continu continuing to seek until you get the answer. You're knocking until you get it. Now, as I thought about this analogy, I thought about when my kids were really young, and a lot of you have young kids, and you know whenever a birthday comes or Christmas comes, what does your kid often do? But they say, Mommy, Daddy. I want this, I want this present. My birthday's coming, I want it. And then you may say like me, well, honey, uh, let's talk about this later. Your birthday's still another three months away, so let's talk about it later. Well, an hour may go by, and then what do they do? Uh, Daddy, have you, have you thought about it anymore? I'm excited about my birthday. Have you thought about what you're gonna get me? I really want this. Uh, honey, when I, I said we'll talk about it later, I meant like maybe a month from now, not like an hour from now. And then a couple hours go by again. Daddy, Daddy. You know, all right, all right, you know what? Let's talk about this in like a month, okay? Bring it up in a month and we'll talk through it maybe. There, I kid you not, there were several times where I, find myself, I found myself in the shower <laughs> and my kids with the door closed would be banging on the door, Daddy, Daddy, Christmas is coming, my birthday's coming. And I just wanna say, I'm in the shower right now, kiddos. <laughs> Let me get out of the shower, we can talk about it later. That's the best analogy I could come up with with asking, seeking, knocking. I don't want you to think about that analogy, but instead I would rather you think about a better analogy that Jesus gave in Luke 11 when he said these words, a parable. He said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, 
friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. I love this parable because it describes two friends, one who is coming from out of town to visit another friend at midnight, terrible hour to show up on somebody's doorstep, and he knocks, and he knocks, and he knocks just to receive help and hospitality. And the friend who was the host did not want to wake up because it's in the middle of the night. And he didn't want to step over his kids because it was a one-story house or one-room house, really. And he'd have to step over his family uh, to open the door. But Jesus said, the reason why the host opened the door was not because he was his friend, but because his friend kept knocking. His friend was persistent. Love that analogy to think about here. And that's how we are to, to approach prayer with great persistence. And as we continue to approach prayer with persistence, look what Jesus says will happen. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. These verses right here are, have been one of the most misinterpreted or misused verses in an evangelical world for two reasons. First, a lot of people will take these verses or this verse out of context and they'll say, oh, all we need to do is ask and the Lord will give it to, to us. All we need to do is knock on the door of salvation and the Lord will open it up. And people would say, it's our choice. We choose God. We just have to do the asking and the acting and then he'll respond and enter us into heaven. This is not talking about salvation. The context here is not talking about salvation. There are others that say, well, the scriptures are clear that there is a prosperity gospel, that if I just keep asking the Lord, then he'll give me whatever I want. Name it and claim it. He'll, he'll give me whatever I desire. If I just keep asking, if I just have enough faith, if I just keep praying, then he will give me what I desire. This is not what Jesus is getting at here. He's not talking about the prosperity gospel. He's not talking about how we choose the Lord because we know from scripture that God chooses us for our salvation. But what Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about our spiritual development. He's talking about our spiritual formation. And in order for us to be more like Christ, we are to constantly be in prayer. We are to be persistent in our prayers. And one thing I think about that will help motivate us to continue to pray is that we pray to a father who hears us. We pray to a God who cares about what we have to bring to him and what we have to say. I like what, what Kent Hughes essentially is saying here. He, he said that when it comes to this, we don't need to think of this as a routine, but instead we need to think of it as going to a father knowing that he cares for us and that he hears our prayers. Have you ever been in a situation where you found yourself talking to your spouse or to your friend or, or to your parent? And you feel like they're not listening to you at all. And you're just trying to get their attention. You're hoping they're really listening, but they're not. And you might even take advantage of that and say, like my, I think my daughter's done before. Hey, dad, can I have $5? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, dad, can I have $10? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad, 50? Yeah, wait, 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 what? what? <laughs> Sometimes I've tuned out. God doesn't tune out. 
God hears our prayers. He cares about what we bring to him, what we have to share with him. He listens to us, and so that should compel us even more to want to pray with persistence. Persistence is key to our spiritual formation, and we know that we have a God who truly listens and truly cares for us. So the first thing that Jesus told us to do to be more like him is to pray with persistence. But the second thing he says is to pray with confidence, with confidence, just like a child would approach his mom or dad. Look at verse nine through 11. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, this is a bizarre and extreme example or parable that Jesus gave. But in this setting, it's a Galilean setting, and I kid you not, there were rocks that were flat that could almost look like bread. There were also fish that I'm sure his audience was thinking about that were like eels. But here's the reality. What father or mother would do something of this nature? I can only imagine my seven-year-old son, Caleb, coming to me and saying, hey, dad, I'm hungry. I want some food. And I give him a stone and say, chew on this, son. And he starts to chew it. (laughs) Crack. It'd be awful. That'd be horrible. Or what if he said, hey, dad, you know, I really want some meat. I want some fish. Can you give me that? And I just hand him an eel or a snake and say, here you go, son. Chew on this. That'd be crazy. I also was thinking about, well, what if we went hiking And this has happened to me, and it may have happened to you too, but what if we went hiking and and we saw a brown poisonous snake on the side of the trail? And what if my son, just like Buddy the Elf, what if he went up to the snake and he said, Daddy, this looks like Buddy did with the raccoon. You know what I'm talking about? The raccoon jumps. I just want to cuddle with this snake. I I want to touch it. I want to hold the snake. What do you think I would do? Are you crazy, Caleb? No, stay away from the snake. It could kill you. It's poisonous. Stay away from the snake. He's not going to cuddle with you. He will kill you. Now, why would I react that way? It's because I love my son. I want what's best for my son. I don't want to harm him. And that's how God our Father is with us. He doesn't want to harm us. But instead, he truly loves us and cares for us, his people. And so he's a good heavenly father. In fact, he's better than the best father, human father, who's ever existed. And that's the point Jesus was getting at in verse 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, you know what? Every parent out there is not perfect. I don't know about you as a parent, but I've made a lot of mistakes. I've had to tell my kids sorry a lot. And that's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying every human parent is sinful and won't parent perfectly. They may have their best child's interest at heart, their their interest at heart, but they won't necessarily be perfect. But yet God our Father is perfect. And you better believe he has our best interest at heart. He loves us so much. And so again, this should motivate us to continue to pray, but to pray with confidence, knowing that whatever we throw at God matters to him. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Seth, I've got really minor things right now 
that I don't know if I should really pray about. Yes, you should. God cares about the small details in your life that you might think are minor. He also cares about the major details in your life. When you pray, I would encourage you to pray specifically. Pray boldly and ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. And that's the point Jesus was was getting at here when he said, your heavenly father will give you good gifts. In Luke's translation of the Sermon of the Mount here, verse 13, look at what Jesus said. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Right here, Luke is not saying, like Matthew said in the translation, give good gifts. Luke's saying, your heavenly father will give you the Holy Spirit. You see the context here? Jesus is saying for us to be more like Christ, we need to be filled with his spirit. And for us to be filled with his spirit, we pray with persistence and we pray with confidence. And he will fill us with the Holy Spirit. And as we're filled with his spirit, then we can say yes to what he wants us to do and no to sin. And we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. And we can say no to our sinful flesh when we're tempted. But that's why we have to pray. We must pray. We gotta keep it up. We gotta keep going. And that's what Jesus is getting at. You may, like me, <laughs> at times feel empty. You know, I, about a month ago, I kid you not, I was mowing my lawn. And I, I didn't have any gas left in my red tank. And every time I mow, before I mow, I fill it up. Because if I don't do it, it will crank out. Well, I had no gas left in my red tank. And I only had an hour to give. And I thought to myself, I know I'm about halfway full in my tank here. If I sped it up a little bit in my push mower, then I think I'll make it without having to go and fill my, my red tank up in the gas station because I only have a limited amount of time right now. <laughs> and so I start mowing the grass and I start jogging, <laughs> pushing this mower. And I, and I know my neighbors already think I'm crazy. And I bet they were looking at me like, what in the world is he doing? He's running while he's mowing the grass. I've never seen that before. That's the first. Well, guess what happened to me as I'm literally jogging, trying to get this lawn mowed in an hour, 10 minutes to go. Like this little small section of my grass has not been yet mowed. And it starts going, It starts slowing down, and I'm thinking, cranking down, I'm thinking, oh, no. And so guess what I start doing? I go faster. I'm like running at this point. I'm like, we got to get this done. I got this small section. I got to get it done. I, I have to have it complete. And then it cranks out on me. And I'm like, no. But I still had a few minutes to run to Casey's gas station, fill it up, and I was able to complete it within an hour and I think 10 minutes. I, was, I made it to my appointment that night. What was I doing? I was running on fumes. Like, it was crazy. I was running on fumes. And that might be you this morning. You might be running on fumes. You might be running on empty, and you need to be filled. If that is you this morning, two things I would encourage you to do. First, pray with persistence and confidence. And second, approach this table. Approach this table with humility, knowing that this table is designed to fill you up spiritually. You're not gonna be full on this little bread and this little cup of juice, no. 
You're not gonna be full physically. But I hope you will leave here being filled spiritually as he nourishes you and he strengthens you in grace. So as we now approach this table, be reminded that our Father is good. He hears our prayers and he loves us.